it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and friend request. And most likely, I will give you in return. And of course, also like King David Comedy. That's coming with a K on most major social media platforms. We're here to talk what else but wrestling and problems. Uh, this week was actually a pretty big weekend of wrestling. We had uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle, which, is, which I was not able to finish before the show started. I did actually start watching it. I did not make it to the end yet, so I, I will hold my review for it until next week's show. I did, however, get through WWE TLC, so we're going to be discussing that program in much greater detail. Where should I get started with WWE TLC? Well, I'll put it like this. Lately, for most WWE pay-per-views, I'm not that excited for them. (laughs) Sometimes I get pleasantly surprised. Sometimes I don't. Uh... This is one of those times where I was, I was actually pleasantly surprised. It was actually turned out to be a much better show than I thought. Don't get me wrong. I do expect, in general, I expect uh, TLC to be a good pay-per-view. I just not was not really bought in with the lead-up to this particular TLC pay-per-view. Uh it kind of felt light on matches. They usually do the thing where there's maybe a TLC match or two, and then there's a bunch, there's a tables match, there's a letters match, and there's a chairs match. They didn't really do it that way this time, so I was kind of disappointed by that in, in some ways. They did they did throw in some surprises though, so that was nice. There was a couple things I wouldn't expect, and there's a couple things. There's actually something that I forgot about too, because I didn't find out about it until the last minute. Because they did add the Firefly Inferno match towards towards later in the week, so I didn't get to make a prediction for that when I made my predictions last week. But anyway, we'll uh, break it down just a little bit, match by match, and I'll get into it. Uh, first, they had on the kickoff show or pre-show or whatever you want to call it, eight-man tag team match for no apparent reason, basically. <laughs> Big E, Daniel Bryant, Chad Gable, and Otis defeated King Corbin, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Have you ever talk about a match? They had a bunch of people who you had high hopes for, 
and they're just kind of floating together in a group together at this point. Either they've already sort of reached the mountaintop, and they probably won't go back, or they never quite made it to the mountaintop because you thought they were going to push him there, and they didn't quite push him there, like Cesaro and Nakamura, or King Corbin, who seems to get forced down our throats whether we want him or not. Despite the fact I don't want him. I, I had high hopes for him when he was in NXT, when he was Baron Corbin. Eventually, I just like, uh, this guy's not going to happen and I'm no longer interested. But anyway, uh, Big E, I still have high hopes for. Daniel Bryant sort of had his runs. I don't think he's going to have another big run again, I don't think. He sort of had two big runs where he got to sort of get pushed to the top. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to what I was saying, this match was just kind of like a uh, let's find something for all these guys to do. We we sort of got them in various angles. We'll do something with them. They had a match. It was a solid match. Not great, but solid. So I guess for kickoff show it was fine. It still felt kind of silly though to throw all these guys together in a match. But anyway, moving on, we had a triple threat tables, letters, and chairs match for the WWE Championship. Uh, this was one of the matches they had one of the like sort of pleasant surprises. The surprise was the Miz cashing in his money to bank contract during the match, which always feels kind of stupid when you when you cash in the money to bank during a match that's already happened. Seems like you should wait until after the champion wins the match and then just beat the crowd of him with the briefcase, like the smart way to do it. But uh. This was a nice, solid match. You had some, you had some good work. Obviously, uh, Drew McIntyre is a solid main event guy. He, he puts in some good work when he's in the main event. AJ Styles, same thing. Almost did some, some kind of funny stuff with the, with the chasing of Morrison and stuff. The Miz, you know, solid worker. Uh, overall, this was like a 27-minute match, though. I, I would say good match, not great, but definitely some solid work. Nothing to complain about by any means in it. Uh, Sasha Banks defeated Carmella with Reginald Thomas by submission. Singles match for WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. This match was actually better than I expected. I expect Sasha Banks to be good. I expect Carmella to be sort of average. Carmella actually, you know, I think was lifted by being with Sasha in this match. It could be that or it could just be Carmella's just worked really hard and has gotten better. I don't know which one it is. Carmella's never really been bad to me, but she's never been, really been good to me either as far as a wrestler. So She's somebody whose personality sort of elevated her more than her in-ring ability in my book. Again, I'm not saying that she's terrible, just never great, never particularly good. It's just solid. But she seemed elevated in this match So I'm, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to her future See if her wrestling skills have improved Or maybe I was just sleeping on her the whole time But overall this is a good match She did some good character work in the match as well So that's, you know A feather in her cap In addition to having a good wrestling match with Sasha Banks The whole thing with Reginald Thomas One part to me likes it One part thinks it's kind of stupid <laughs> So uh, I will have to see a little bit more of it uh, Reginald needs to step up just a little bit. They may, I think they're making him a little bit too soft. Uh, he doesn't need to be a he doesn't need to be a uh, huge, big, tough, strong guy. But they, like making him a small year or whatever he's supposed to be, 
just have them step up, man up just a little bit, you know. It's sad to see him just getting the crap beat up by Sasha over and over again, you know. At any rate, uh, tag team match for WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. Uh, Hurt Business, Cedric Alexander, Sheldon Benjamin with MVP, defeated the New Day. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods. Uh, another good, solid match. I kind of wonder, kind of wonder what they were doing with the ending when they had Cedric Alexander tag himself in, but then he pulled off the win. So I'm like, are they just sort of planting a seed for you know this long-term story that they've sort of been building with Cedric and Shelton? Because you know the whole thing was Shelton sort of watching Cedric like, yo, you mess up, I'm gonna get you. You know, or you, or you let us down, I'm gonna get you, or you turn your back on us, we're gonna get you. So I thought maybe that was. Something that might have been coming, but it didn't come yet. Maybe they're continuing to build that story. Well, eventually they'll still break up eventually. But obviously, with them having a belt, I think that'll be at least at least a little bit further down the road. But overall, obviously, solid work with all these guys in the match. All solid workers. Uh, obviously, MVP is good outside the ring, so uh, quality work from these guys here. Get a tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Asuka. Uh, Versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Uh, Nia Jax and Shayna dest- ended up destroying Lana, so she had to pay out. So uh, Asuka had to get us a, a prize partner. I did hear the rumors before that Charlotte Flair was going to be taking that spot, so I was kind of disappointed that I heard the rumor and then it happened. Not that I'm disappointed to have Charlotte back, because it's always good to have Charlotte back. But I always hate it when I get a, when I get a spoiler for something. And it's even worse. It's better than when you get a spoiler because you aren't watching something live and then, you know, you happen to get some information, you know, during a show or something. But this was like something that leaked a couple of days before the show and I ended up hearing it and it actually turned out true. So that's my only disappointing one. But overall, you can't be that disappointed with Charlotte coming back. So, And obviously Charlotte and Asuka, you know, you know will now have the belts. So maybe this will lead to a nice feud between Nia Jax and Shannon Baszler as they get the rematch and whatnot. So again, another good match, solid work by everybody involved. And as far as I know, Nia Jax didn't hurt anybody in this match. So that's a victory right there. <laughs> uh, TLC uh, match again, WWE Universal Championship. Now, like I said, looking at the card, the only TLC matches were the two for the main men's belt. So uh, I felt like they should have had more tables, more letters, and more chairs match like they usually do. So that was a little bit disappointing. But anyway, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman defeated Kevin Owens. Obviously, Jey Uso got involved and whatnot. I was kind of confused when this match came on with the hour left in the show. I was like, are they going to have an hour-long match? <laughs> but uh, when that match ended after like around 25 minutes, I was like, Wow, there's a lot of time left. There's no, is there another match that I forgot about? And of course, I had forgot about the Firefly and Forner match because they added that uh, in the week leading up to it. So I was like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. I was kind of surprised Randy Orton defeated the Fiend in a Firefly Inferno match. Obviously, I can't be that surprised though that Randy Orton beats anybody, but he did win the match. Uh, he not only set the fiend on fire to win the match, he set him on fire <laughs> at the end of at the end of the show, you know, just covered him in 
some sort of accelerant. Obviously, it was not obviously uh, the real fiend. You could tell it, was, it looks like a pretty fake dummy or mannequin or whatever they used to do it, but it was still, it was still kind of a cool visual. Uh, but that ending was a nice, solid ending to the to the card. I wish they would have did a little bit better with the dummy, just so I could spin my disbelief just a little bit more. But uh, overall, uh, this was this actually turned out to be a pretty good show. I actually did watch. I think I watched half of it last night because I did have some um, previous obligations with my improv team, and we were on Zoom doing some stuff, so. I watched it like uh, watched, I think I watched two hours last night or hour and a half last night and the other half of it today. Overall, we're splitting it two. I did enjoy it throughout. However, I might actually go back and watch some more of this again, or at least see if I can find the highlights because I did enjoy it and I, I want to make sure that uh, my my enjoyment, you know, is not misplaced. I don't think it is, but I do want to go back and watch the highlights again and just see if I can just sort of cram them in close together and see. But right now, if, if I gave this a grade, I'd be I'd go ahead and give this card a uh, a B plus, and that's a lot more than I usually. Like I said, I'm lucky in B my. I think I'm usually in the B minus range for most WWE pay per views lately. Uh, WWE is lacking something, and uh, that's leading to low ratings for Raw. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second because uh, uh, Raw has hit another new ratings low for the twelve fourteen edition of the show. Uh, there's reports that USA wants more, quote, attitude error type stuff, not necessarily sexual stuff, but darker or more violent content along those lines. And I would be all for that, you know. I don't think it will ever go back to, quote, the attitude error where everything – you know, it's pretty much on the table because I don't think they want to go quite to that level for what they're doing, especially being a Fortune 500 company and public and everything now when they weren't doing Attitude Era, but I definitely would want to see a little bit more darker content, and I think that will work. I think that will work in their favor. I still don't understand why WWE is not put together a show like Shotgun Saturday Night for the network. Something that you wouldn't have to limit uh to FCC standards or to, you know, any sort of standards as far as uh, broadcast, it would be something that they could definitely do. And then you could you could hint at it on the main shows, but you wouldn't just have to show the footage, and it would be another reason to drive traffic to the network. Plus, people who watch the network shows would tune into that too, you know? But at any rate, uh, We've had that discussion a little bit before. I hope they do it. They're probably not going to. I assume if they were going to, they'd probably do it by now. But anyway, Monday's edition of WWE Raw averaged 1.526 million viewers with a .41 in the 1849 demographic. This is, like I mentioned, a record low audience for uh, Monday Night Raw, and I want to thank SC Scoops for providing information for this. The hourly breakdown was 1.627 million for hour one, hour two, 1.512 million, hour two, and the final hour of the show had just 1.441 million viewers. And by the final hour, the demo had dropped to 0.38. Uh, the ratings have overall been declining pretty much all year. First part of the year, ratings were above 2 million. Uh, COVID probably, you know, did hurt the hurt the ratings for a while, but 
Uh, AEW's found a way to bounce back from that. Uh, the atmosphere is not the same, but uh, as mentioned in the SEC's article, Raids have went off a cliff after WrestleMania. They haven't been above two million since SummerSlam in August. And if you want to, you can go to SC Scoops. Uh, the title article is WWE Raw Ratings Crash to All-Time Low Ahead of TLC Pay-Per-View. Uh, they got a nice little chart showing you the ratings for uh, Impact, AEW Dynamite, WWE NXT, WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown. Uh, Raw is the one show out of all the shows that are trending consistently pretty much consistently down if you go from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Uh, NXT seems relatively stable. Impact is on the uptrend due to their association with AEW recently. AEW is pretty much uh, trended in a similar area, although it is has gotten a little bit of a bump lately. So it's, you know, back back it's actually bumped up a few times over the, over the million mark not too long ago. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Like I said, if actually if this if it continues to trend at the rate it's going now, because they were doing almost two and a half million at the beginning of the year, and now they're at one and a half million at this current trend level. If AEW continues to trend this way, and uh, Raw continues to trend in this way. Dynamite could outdraw Raw before the end of the year. Now, I would I would still be surprised if things continued on this trajectory. But it's something that realistically could happen if, if they keep leading viewers at this pace and AEW just holds steady or continues to bump up in the right direction. So There are rumors that, like say, USA wants to go back to some Attitude Era stuff. Uh, and then, at least that's what I heard initially. Then now, I heard some rumblings. That's not necessarily the case. I'm pretty sure the USA, regardless, the USA is uh, upset with the ratings and whether or not they want attitude error, whether they just want the ratings to come back by any means necessary. That's something to they need to consider. So, yeah, keep in mind, uh, even though COVID is, you know, sort of hit WWE in a certain direction, they they ended up laying off a lot of people and they've turned record profits mainly just due to the TV money they're getting from Fox and from uh, USA. If the ratings continue to drop for Raw, then they won't get that money for uh, Raw going forward in the future. That could create a negative environment for their bottom line. SmackDown overall seems to be, you know, uh, at least it's not hemorrhaging ratings the way that uh, that Raw is. It did start to trend down earlier in the year, uh, up until around July, and then it sort of you know righted itself and steadied itself, and it's managed to stay above uh, two million most of the time, at least. Uh, and obviously, they had the benefit of being on broadcast television, so you have a few more eyeballs that they have access to, but should it really make that much of a difference considering uh, the history of Raw and usually being ahead of uh, SmackDown in the ratings? Well, again, that's not really been the case this year. 
SmackDown is looks like it's beat it pretty much every week. And again, it's on broadcast, so you would expect it to, but still. At any rate, uh, looks like we have a call on the line, so I will open it up to the caller. New phone, who this? How's it going, Keith? How's it going, Brian? Are you at Lowe's, the liquor store, or the grocery store? Mm -hmm. You are 043. Unless you have Okay, well, we should be good to go. Uh, I've already given my thoughts on uh, WWE TLC as well as I've discussed uh, some of the rating stuff. I I see you you were there for about 10 minutes, so you probably heard all the stuff about the. uh, the ratings. You can uh, first. I guess I'll go to you first with your thoughts on the ratings. If you want, if you got anything to say about that, go right ahead and uh, bring any thoughts you have about the ratings to the table. Uh, well, uh, one the ratings, as um, we had um, discussed before in previous shows, um, isn't a real surprise. Um, just because, let's face it. We all know what the problem is. It is bad when SmackDown is out doing Raw when Raw is supposed to be your premier um, show. But as we um, had all agreed that Vince is the problem, and until Vince relinquished control of um, day-to-day operations, pretty much, it okay. It's not like too much more is going to change. And we know Vince is not going to that because Vince is a control freak. <laughs> so, so you're pretty much stuck. I, I actually, if you think about it, it was actually probably good for WWE the fact when he had the distraction at, at, of the XFL to you know take his attention elsewhere at least for a little bit. That way you you yeah. you could probably you could probably get a little bit away with a little bit more stuff without him being over your shoulder all the time. But with that no longer on the table for him, it's just WWE full time all the time for him pretty much. So. So I guess this is good to you your problem. Like, like I said, uh, it's interesting. There's certain people in the business that talk about well, Vince has been in the business for you know for forty, fifty years, so he's got to be right. Like that's no, that's not how it works. Well, like people like well, AEW's got this like Tony Khan guy. He's barely been in the business for a couple years and blah blah blah. Uh, guess what? The fact that he's a fan and relates to the fans is a good thing, not a bad thing. The fact that AEW tends to give fans what they want induces loyalty in the fans. And like I said, I'm not saying that uh, when you do when you produce a wrestling show, obviously you can't give the fans what they want every week. Obviously, you don't want to be predictable. You don't want to have it where the fan favorite wins all the time. That's not the way wrestling works. That's not the way storytelling works. However... If the fans tell you a certain guy is popular or a certain woman's popular and they want them to be in a prominent position, you put them in a prominent position. Or at least you tease them and think, oh, you're close, you're close, you're close. And then finally when you give them that prominent position, they feel good. That's what happened with Kenny Omega. A lot of people kind of thought maybe, okay, maybe Kenny Omega was, wasn't quite put in the spot that he was, should have been in faster. But the fact is... It's not like they just completely buried him out of nowhere. They put him, they just put him on a different track than what we expected. And then when they finally decided to give him a run with the title, 
And they sort of, you know, they put him with Don Callis. I don't think most people saw that sort of thing coming. They didn't see a crossover with Impact Wrestling happening. It's like, you know, not only did they give you what you want, but they sort of surprised you and gave you a little bit of a swerve. WWE has all the talent in the world among their various rosters, whether it be NXT UK, NXT uh, Raw, SmackDown, but they just aren't delivering consistently with the amount of talent they have. And the weird thing is about it, I've noticed that, like, you know, you see it, you see like a team like Airwolf, uh, Darius and his uh, brother, uh, they cut their promos, and like I said, for the most part, from what I have with AEW, if you cut your promo, you write your promo. They might tell you, we, we want you to say this, this or this, you know, within this, with these, with these parameters. But for the most part, you're on your own. AEW promos look better than WWE promos. WWE promos seem cookie cutter. It seems like the same guy or, you know, same woman is writing all the promos for the most part, or at least the vast majority of them. You can kind of, that, that flushes out when they, when you watch the show. Whereas when you watch AEW, it feels like each character is unique and they cut their promo their own way. That makes a difference in a product. That's the wrestling that we remember from when we were kids, you know. You know, you don't, Roddy Piper's promo didn't sound like Jimmy Snuggers' promo. Jimmy Snuggers' promo didn't sound like Hogan's promo. Uh, now, obviously, there's a few guys here and there on the WWE Ross. Obviously, Roman Reigns' promos don't really sound like anybody else's, but he's got Paul Heyman working with him real, real closely on it, both on camera and behind the camera. But outside of that, who's really saying things that's all that interesting to you? Other than that, you, you got Roman Reigns. Kevin Owens did a solid job with and, and his build up to his feud with uh with Roman Reigns. But outside of that, who on the mic has been exciting for you in WWE recently? Uh honestly, this is bad when all I can say is um in the WWE period. MVP action. Okay, yeah, I'll give you MVP. He's he's he sort of got his own sort of unique style, and he, that was kind of a happy accident they got him because he was supposed to come in, maybe you know have a match tour here or there, and then become a producer. But he get, the fans got behind him kind of quickly. He did a good job in his segments, and they ended up keeping him on camera a lot more than we expected. So, so yeah, well, great. Deal. Matter of fact, you know you know who's probably cuts who cuts a better promo than a lot of the WWE stars right now. Did you see you see like commercial where they had a uh, twenty twenty feuding with Drew McIntyre? Twenty <laughs> twenty's yeah. promo was was better than most of the promos you see on Raw or SmackDown. That's just freaking sad. <laughs> Actually, it is. Now, uh, to kind of switch gears on on, uh, on on companies, okay. Now, who does deliver good promos? Um, okay, AEW, Fox. He actually, um, he actually delivers great promos. Um, I can recall when he was fusing with uh, the um, um, I'm trying to think when when he was on um, with um, Mr. Brody Lee. Those were some good promos. I don't know, I don't know if you remember those promos that Oxley um, did um, when he was feuding with um, Brody Lee. The Brody Lee ones was good. The ones with Eddie Kingston was good. Even the ones King, uh, Kingston's what was good. The one, um, the one with even Kenny with Omega. Uh, Lance Archer. Yeah, Kenny Omega. Um, I, actually, I like his with Lance Archer. Was probably one of my favorites. 
Yeah, like I said, John Moxley is the guy that WWE had, and they kept telling him, no, we want you to do it this way. We want you to do it this way. And he kept saying, you know, my character wouldn't work this way. This doesn't make sense. And he tried to tell him, and basically he's like, I'm sick of this crap. I'm going somewhere else. And, and look what happened. Which character do you prefer, Dean Ambrose or Johnny Moxley? <laughs> John Moxley. And there you go. By the way, speaking of John Moxley, be, 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 before I forget, because this is something I actually intended to open the show with, but I forgot to do it. Uh, congratulations to Brandy Rhodes and Cody. Uh, they're going to be parents. Uh, pretty much this year has been a, a year for wrestling news as far as babies and stuff. You know, I believe the Bella yeah. Twins had their kids, uh, had babies earlier this year. Uh, obviously, you had, Seth, you had Seth Rollins and uh, Becky Lynch had a kid this year. Uh, Brandy and Cody announced the baby will, that will be born next year. Uh, so uh, this has been a baby boom year for uh, professional wrestling, and, you know. And don't forget, um, um, that the um, Miz and um, Maurice had one this year as well. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about them, the Miz and Maurice. And of course, like again, like 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 since we brought it up, John Moxley and Renee uh, having a baby. Uh, yeah. So base, base, I think basically every week now AEW is just going to announce somebody else is having a baby. Uh, as long as they don't um, announce um, the, these two people, uh, one uh, Austin Kong. Is she still on the roster or not? Because I don't know. I don't know if she is. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and two, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of that other uh, person I wrote. Pretty sure. Uh, well, I guess without knowing the specifics of uh, how Nyla Rose is rolling at this particular moment, I don't know if a baby is in the cars, depending on what surgery have or have not been performed. It would have to come another way, regardless. It wouldn't be the traditional way that we're discussing now as far as the pregnancy right. or, or her I, end. I, I wouldn't want. I, I think that would be a very, very bad angle. Yeah, me right. Uh, yeah, like you said, that it could theoretically it could happen depending on surgeries, but it would have to happen a different way. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the, without going into details, I think most people can kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I thought you, I was going. I thought you. I didn't realize you were going to bring up Alpha Khan. I was going to say. I was going to say the, the the next the next person I was thinking of would have been Abaddon. <laughs> that oh, would God. be scary. that would be scary for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so congrats, I, I congrats, did, I, congratulations to Brandy and Cody. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, okay, now on to something a little bit um, more to um, our fans. Um, okay, now I was talking with a couple of my um, coworkers in FD who are um, wrestling fans as well, and they wanted me to ask um, you this. Okay. Um, what, in your opinion, um, okay, do, do you think if uh, MLW had a two-hour show um, instead of a one-hour show? On the one hand, I'd be all for it just because it's my, like I said, MLW is my second favorite wrestling show right now. Like I said, the only, my favorite show right now is AEW Dynamite, but number two is MLW. On the other hand, I kind of wonder if... I wonder if one of the reasons MLW is so good is the fact that they only have one hour a week. 
on the one hand, I want to think that they could pull it off, but they could pull off, you know, an extra hour. But on the other hand, I kind of wonder if maybe the reason they show is so good because it's only one hour and it leaves you wanting more. I would at least be willing to give it a shot, and then I'd, I'd see, okay, if it turns out that they're not doing it, I would hope it get cut back to an hour. But I think MLW could pull it off. They, they do such a good job producing their show, the one hour that they're given, and I think they could actually pull off a second hour. And then they do have they do have a decent roster where they've been at, and especially since a lot of these companies are working together now, they'll be since they're able to bring in talent, you know, they, they had a little bit of a relationship with AEW where they had MGF working both shows for a while. Uh, you know, they've let some talent leave the roster to go work for AEW. You know, you have guys from like Impact and some other, you know, companies coming in. You've had, I think you had some New Japan guys come in too. So I think there's enough talent out there that they do such a good job producing their show that with that expanded roster and, you know, with the relationships that these companies are having, plus they, they're doing stuff with like AAA, I believe, and some other companies too. So that, the more that I t- the more that I think about it, the more I think I think they could pull off in the second hour, and it shouldn't be a problem. So yeah, I, w- I would definitely like to see them get a second hour. Although there's a part of me saying, "Crap, rooting for them to have a second hour." Do I really need another hour of wrestling to watch a week? <laughs> but I realized I finally here's what I finally got to do to to get to the point where I can actually get through all the wrestling I need to get to every week. I actually had to write down what shows come on what day of the week, and I put together a schedule for how I watch stuff now. This is my wrestling watch schedule. And I I know you have the link to the the wrestling with problems, you know, pre-show stuff that I do that I write down stuff, but at the top of that, it's it's got my wrestling watch schedule. Sundays, I watch pay-per-view. If it's a WWE pay-per-view, I'll be watching it live or semi-live, or at least I'll start off watching it and finish it the next day. But if it's like, uh, since since AEW is usually Saturday, I could always watch their pay-per-view on Sunday anyway, too. So Impact, Ring of Honor, all those stuff, you know, they have theirs on Fridays and Saturdays. I can always still watch it on Sunday because, luckily, I usually can avoid spoilers for those. <laughs> Mondays, they quote, makeup day. If I, if I should happen to miss something over the, you know, the long weekend where I get busy or something, I'll, you know, I can always make stuff up. But here's the, here's the way it goes usually during the week. Tuesday, I watch Raw and Ring of Honor because they both come on Monday. And I don't feel like watching stuff the day because I can't skip the commercials. Wednesday, I watch NWA, Impact, and AEW Dark. Again, so I can watch it the next day and skip through the commercials. Thursday, I watch NXT, MLW, and AEW Dynamite. Although, AEW Dynamite... Eh, uh, sometimes I might watch it live or close to live, depending on what I got going on on Wednesday night. That's the one exception I might make, depending. I do have my open mic Wednesday nights, so uh, that, that makes it a hard squeeze since I'm usually trying to be out of here by 8, 8.30 to get to that. But every now and again, I might do that. But anyway, usually NXT, MLW, AEW, Dynamite Thursdays. Friday, I watch NXT UK, although sometimes I will watch it on Thursday if, it's, if I get through with everything else on a Thursday. Saturday, I watch 205 Live, New Japan, and SmackDown. So, you know, like I said, since since most of these wrestling programs, I usually put them on in the background while I do other stuff with the exception of AEW Dynamite. And obviously, the pay-per-views I actually usually try to watch, you know, live. WWE pay-per-views I definitely watch and pay direct attention to. AEW pay-per-views I watch and pay direct attention to. Ring of Honor, I'll probably, I might put on in the background. Because... I used 
Ring of Honor used to be something that I will focus on, but it's, it just hasn't had it since AEW debuted when they lost a lot of that talent. They just haven't been able to replace it. For years, Ring of Honor was the company that could sort of, you know, always bounce back if they lost talent. They just haven't been doing, been able to do it since AEW, though. So. But anyway, that's how I've managed to figure out how I can get you wrestling every week, you know. As long as I, I had to put myself on a schedule and figure out, because I would always forget something. Usually, would, lately, it would have been Ring of Honor. And I'd always forget it, and then I'd end up weeks behind. But I finally got caught up. That's the one. That's the one advantage to COVID, and not having a lot of extra stuff, other than just a couple of events here and there. I'm able to watch stuff and you know keep on track, and then just look at the list. So I'm back on track now. Anyway, uh, I forgot what was I. What was that topic? How did I ramble way off on this uh, on this spiral? Man, I'm not sure how. But um, uh, I I tell you this. Um, let's just um, move forward, and we and, and we can um, go with um, this, this um, one particular thing. Okay. Now, um, impact. I have to admit, um, it, it is bad when impact has been hotter. Then WWE and mind you, when was the last time you could say in years that um, you wanted to watch Impact to see what's going to happen next? I actually got to got to think about that because I had not been thinking that I want to watch Impact more than WWE, but you know now that you brought that up. They'd have had the sort of weird stuff they've been doing with uh, Johnny Bravo on an alleged attempted murder. Yeah, the thing with Hernandez's money just going from person to person to person. It, it, Impact right now was a little bit weird and silly, but it's definitely something different than WWE. So you might be bringing me around to that. I, I might actually kind of be more interested in watching uh, – Impact as opposed to Raw. Like I said, it's it's a different vibe to current Impact than it's been in the past. But there's definitely some entertaining stuff happening. I I, w- I wouldn't say from top to bottom Impact is better, but there are there there are definitely a few angles here and there that I do like to follow. So I'm not gonna say I'm, I'm not gonna put them ahead of WWE right now because when I say WWE, I I, I I've got to sort of combine Raw and SmackDown together and say. Do I get more entertainment value out of the five hours of those shows as opposed to two hours of Impact? I'll probably I'd probably say no, but I definitely say there's a couple angles here and there and a couple storylines here and there on uh, Impact that I do like. And you, like I said, you do got some good talent. Like Impact is making a much better use of the Good Brothers than WWE did most of their time on the roster. Uh, I'd say. I kind of think they're dropping the ball a little bit on Moose. They, they sort of need to piss or get off the pot with Moose. Either they need to go ahead and put the belt on him, or they need to uh, just sort of, you know, move on from that. Because it's, it's kind of like they're almost Baron, Baron Corbin in him. <laughs> Where you think he's going to take the next step. Oh, no, he's not going to take the next step. Oh, he's going to take the next step. He's not going to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Difference being, I actually would want to see Moose take the next step, and I don't want to see Baron take it anymore. So. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hmm. Well, I I will say say this though. Um, and Corbin, um, I don't I don't know, but I will say. That is a um, interesting comparison because um, um, I, I said at least Moose have in um, in entertain um, entertainment type value. You know what I mean? I can't recall uh, when was the last time that uh, Moose um, okay that that Moose actually did something against someone real really um, credible. It's like he got like mid Carter type status, and he's supposed to have this. Um, it's kind of like um, what they did with uh, Matt Taven in Ring of Honor. Now he was he was saying he's the real world champion, but um, Jay Lethal was the current world champion. And nothing got settled until Matt Taven faced against um um uh, against um Jay Lethal and then um in the um Lethal ladder match, um well Matt Taven won the title. But they know he lost against um Bruce though, but uh, my whole point is so that when the hell are they gonna have um him go against Rick Swan? Let let Moose take the title. He holds it for a while. He loses it. Then he he get to move on from Impact, and then he could either a go back to Ring of Honor, b um go okay see if he could um get a shot at um NXT or c um uh, which I think he he probably may need to do uh go go to um New Japan. I didn't even think about New Japan for him, but that might actually be a, the move. Like I said, I, I thought he was he was he almost went to WWE before his uh, sort of uh, domestic violence situation sort of popped right. pop, pop, pop. And I want to say for the record, it wasn't a new thing; it was a thing that happened in his past, but it sort of became a story again. So that sort of undercut him going to WWE the last big time for his free agency thing. So I don't know if he'd be, like I said, if maybe WWE might be more willing to take the chance considering he's stayed out of trouble since then, or if, like you said, New Japan might be a move for him. But yeah, that actually could make sense. I was thinking either be either, I was thinking either be WWE, AEW, but New Japan actually should make sense to be in the mix for him as well. So, uh, so yeah, but I, actually before, before we move on to some, uh, regular news. I, I didn't let you have a chance to talk about WBTLC. So if you got any thoughts on that, go ahead and uh spread your knowledge on uh how you looked at the event. Good, bad, ugly. What what did you think of it? Um actually similar to um yours, I I actually give it um a solid B 
on the A to L um, scale. And I was, and I don't believe I'm saying this, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I was actually pleased at the same time, especially um, the the match, um, I got to say, and, and I never thought I'd say this, so, but having um, a, a um, Drew McIntyre match to start the um, pay-per-view, and then um, turning um, it into um, a triple threat match for um, the title. And then Mia's not cashing it in, not um, cashing it in successfully was something I did not see coming. I actually thought that Mia's was going to uh, win it, but they 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 gave the swerve, and that was one of many uh, surprises with um, TLC. And I think a lot of us knew that um, they 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 wasn't gonna give their um, belt to Mia's. Let's face it. Did you really think that King? I I, I thought maybe they might, you know, some kind of way. Clay says since we are still far enough out from WrestleMania, I thought maybe it could happen. I wasn't necessarily begging on it, but I thought maybe it could happen. Uh, I, I'd say, like I said, because you know, because maybe maybe they just just as like just to swerve the fans a little bit. I don't, I didn't think he was gonna have a substantial title run by any means, but I thought maybe it's it's not like when Otis won it. When Otis won, I was like, "There's no way Otis is getting the World Heavyweight Championship." That's not going. He's not getting the World Heavyweight Championship. He's not getting the Universal Championship. Otis is not getting any of that. Him winning the match was his victory. <laughs> but I thought the Miz might have a shot at least getting it in the short term. Although it turned out, nope, he just he was not getting it. So. I just thought it was dumb for him to cash in during the uh, during somebody else's match. That's usually a bad move. Although it did work for Seth Rollins when he cashed in during the, uh, during that match. I said zero rules. Just logically, it makes sense to not do it when you have two opponents as opposed to just having one opponent, and you want to wait till that one opponent just had, had the crap beat him already. Actually, you know, you, I take that back. You know when it might have been a good time for him to cash in the money back if he was going to do it during this match. The perfect way, the the perfect way for him to do it during this match would have been one of the letters up. If both the other guys that sort of fell off the letter and they were like laying down on the ground or something, climb all the way up the letter, then throw the briefcase down and cash in. And then as soon as they announce that you've cashed in the Money in the Bank match, just reach up and grab the belt. That's the only way it makes sense to do it, to cash in during this match or during most matches. Like I said, cause since it was a letter match, all you literally would have to do is just like reach up and grab the grab the belt. Then it would have made sense. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to cash in during somebody else's match. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, let's go ahead and... Um, Get into some um, news stuff. Uh, uh, here's an interesting thing. Selena De La Renta has summoned Mil Muertes, M- Mil Muertes to uh, MLW. So previously seen in Lucha Underground. Yes, I love that guy. I yeah, love he's, he's, he's going to be coming to MLW apparently. So congratulations. Good to see him. 
Never mind. I still yeah. need to go back and watch the last few seasons of Lucha Underground. I watched the first season when I had El Rey. I ditched Cable, and then when season two came, I sort of, you know, didn't get a chance to get caught up on it. Although it was on Netflix for a while. So I started watching a little bit of it on Netflix, but then I just stopped because it was hard to, you know, since it, uh, since it was all uploaded at the same time. So last I checked, mm-hmm. it was it wasn't even on Netflix anymore, so I need to find out where I can watch the rest of it. I need to go ahead and, and, and finish that because, like I said, it, it was it was like back before AEW had uh, started. Lucha Underground was my favorite federation. So yeah, and like I said, I didn't stop watching. It I didn't stop watching because I didn't like it anymore. I didn't. I stopped watching it because I didn't have that network anymore when it first came out. And then it's kind of weird to like sort of go back and watch wrestling that's kind of old but at the same time you know it, it, I hope actually I would like WWE Network to get it <laughs> then I could just watch it and not have to worry about it that would actually be a good plan <laughs> that's pretty much the only place I go to watch old wrestling I watch like I've been watching ECW right now I'm on November Actually, I'm on November to remember 97. I actually did watch all the old ECW pay-per-views already once anyway. But then after I did that, I started watching the hardcore televisions. So I've been watching hardcore TV in order. since. So now I'm like, I guess I'm three years into watching hardcore TV. So, I'm, so I figured since I'm watching hardcore TV again, I'll go ahead and watch the pay-per-views in the middle of them again. So since I just watched the end of November hardcore TV. I figured, okay, I'll go ahead and watch November to remember 97 again. But actually, I could I could probably squeeze in uh, Lucha Underground, you know, while I do that. Anyway, actually, I, I do need to... That's something I, I guess it's my project for a little bit later in the week. I would do it now, but I hate trying to type stuff in and try to do it while I actually broadcast at the same time. <coughs> anyway, Definitely excited to see Mio Muertes, Muertes coming to MLW. So, uh, and of course, excited to see Selena Delamina. Of course, that goes without saying, right? Yes, sir. And apparently, she's working with Contra Unit, so Contra Unit getting all of the talent. <laughs> so let's move on to our next story. Now, uh, it, are you, are you, oh, now go ahead. Oh. Hold up, now, now is Country Unit really get all the talent? Okay, they got the world champion. Uh, now they got who? Okay, who else do they really get? Um, uh, the um, okay, they they got uh, who, who else? Who, who who's the second guy they got? Simon Koch. I was gonna, I was gonna say, like I said, if Simon Gotch is your second guy, you're in trouble. <laughs> I was going to say, no. I was going to say, you, 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 the, you, see, you see my point, though. You, you, you no, no. When I say this, obviously they got the world champion, so that's that's your first step. But they also uh, they also had literally took over the entire company, and then the company shut down. So that's something. Hmm. Don't they got those weird guys with the masks? But the, like, like you said, this that, that look like uh, that look like retribution for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, but a way better version of. Is Rich, matter of fact, okay. matter of fact is Rich, Rich is still a thing? Because don't they keep getting Yeah. <laughs> I'm not understanding retribution. Oh, 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 okay. 
okay, let let's um pick this apart. Okay. If you was creative control, how would you have um done retribution? One, you never should have quote signed them to contracts. Two, they never should have did the thing where they're exclusive to one brand because that's stupid. One, if somebody's trying to take over your company, you don't sign them to a contract. You don't reward them for being, you know, uh, disruptive to your show. Two, you don't. Even before that, they sign the. They's like, well, we're just going to be on Raw. Oh, we're just going to be on Smackdown. Oh, we're just going to be on that. That's stupid. If you're supposed to be this sort of outlaw or renegade operation, why are you going to agree to be on one show? That's stupid. Three, they kept getting bumped to the show, and then apparently some people had, I guess they had, like, some COVID issues and stuff. Even if you need to temporarily put somebody else under the mask or something, obviously, if you're supposed to be sort of these sort of outlaws and renegades, do you think you would follow COVID protocols? Would you be that concerned about it? <laughs> so... They made a bunch of different, quote, mistakes with the organization. Then, on top of it, Mustafa Ali's supposed to be in charge. When was the last – is he on TV all that often? <laughs> Isn't it been a while since he's been on television? So if your leader who's leading you is not on television, your organization hasn't been on television, you know, that much recently, none of this makes sense at all. I don't even know. Are, are we still are, – are they still supposed to be a thing or not or what? <laughs> They just handle sure. it. They just they just sort of handle it so poorly. Honestly, I'm not all that particularly interested in them all that much anymore. <laughs> the other oh yeah, the other thing was they were terrible when they would come in and just sort of cause havoc. They didn't look good at that either. It's just been a cluster bang from the beginning. <laughs> now I do like some of the talent that's in it. Don't get me wrong. I liked uh, Don, Dominic. Uh, Jakovic, and I liked uh, obviously I like Mia Yim. I like you know some of the other talent in the group. You know Mercedes Martinez when she was in it for like two minutes. <laughs> so they, they obviously Mustafa Ali or actually I think they they changed the name to just Ali I think at some point. So, but you know they had a lot of talent in the group. They just butchered it and handled it poorly. Poorly. I think at this point I don't even know if. It's it's probably not savable anyway. They probably just need to do something different with all those guys and all those women. Well, I I I, I say this though. If okay, if I was going to actually um um save um I which um like, like I said, I don't see any way of doing it. Um, honestly, you okay? Pretty much, you you have blow that whole thing up. And then you just get um like um three okay like Mustafa, then you get two other people, and then everyone else are just uh, random wrestlers in the back who who, who just uh, represent retribution, and then they, they just uh, rush people, beat people up, and you never give a certain number of how many people is part of retribution. It, it's like okay. You okay? You know it's um, Mustafa. You have two other um, big bruiser types. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much about it. You know what I mean? And they think you to terrorize, destroy, and cause chaos. Now, 
what brand that that will um uh, work on um uh, first of all they um i um i i think like they should have at least made an attempt not to have those ugly horrible masks I at least understand that part. Like I said, they they maybe could have made some better choices with it, but I understand what they did that part. Like I said, it, it's it's sort of to make you anonymous and make you look tough. So at least that sort of made some sense with the gimmick they were going for. Although they, like you said, they could have did a better job with it because some of the masks were just ridiculous. It's like okay, we've sort of seen that mask before. Okay, we've sort of seen that mask before. That's somebody else. But just like when uh, when when they were NXT, they were doing a thing with the screen mask. I'm like, okay, I understand you want to put somebody in a mask, but at least come up with some kind of original idea. <laughs> Why are you gonna come up with a screen mask 24 years after the fact? <laughs> uh, because most kids don't even remember that. So I I I, I somewhat I somewhat get that. Um, now myself, I probably would have went with the um, old school uh, mad uh, okay mass wrestler. No, no, I mean not um, just a traditional black mass for uh, both um, individuals. And Mustafa Ali would be the only one who who's not um, mass. No, I mean he okay, he's the leader. He's the mouthpiece. Well, he, has, he has a mask though. It's just he takes his off. He has that mask that lights up, but still, I, I, otherwise, I get what you're saying. Right. Um, it. Um, okay. And like, um, like, like I said, if you want to add um, a third, um, okay, a third um, person um, to the group outside of um, the two guys, okay, medium me get, okay, getting get the ass kicked and everything. Then all of a sudden, okay. Um, she was that okay? That's when um all of a sudden she okay she gets on the winning streak, and then it's thanks to Mustafa Ali and um Retribution. So okay, she looks strong. Everyone else don't look weak and everything, but it um it, it pretty much like um put like these new folks on a um um okay more on a higher I guess plane of success. Now you could use Miriam, you could use um Mercedes Martinez. My myself I think Mercedes Martinez would have fit better than Mia Yim. Mia Yim, I don't think she actually needs to group like that. I I, I think Mercedes does. Mia Yim actually got more of a personality. Um Mercedes Martinez, let let's face it, she's an older wrestler. She she she's I guess like one of those um it's fair to say a bruiser for a female. Is that a fair thing to describe her? Yeah, but she's already she's already out of it anyway, though. So they they she was only she was only she was in it very very briefly. They, she left after like a week or two, I think. So. Well, I'm, um, I I would say that monsters are are um like one of the harder things to sell anyway. But um, at least in NXT, they're doing pretty good with uh, Rachel Gonzalez, though. Yeah, they are doing a good job with her storytelling, and she's showing improvement. You know, like I said, cause when she first came, I was like, okay, bitch, she's just going to be the bodyguard. But then they've actually, you know, had her doing some wrestling. She's actually done a solid job. So, Yeah, and I actually respect um, 
uh, Rena uh, Ripley's uh, work the, the, these last couple months and everything. It's like, okay, you, you know what? The, the be big. Um, she uh, okay. She know how to sell a good loss. Know what I mean? It's it, it still not. It's it still not look weak. Yeah, like like I said, it's weird. I guess they they had bigger plans for her at first, and then they just sort of like they scuttled her for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. I, f- I feel like they kind of dropped the ball with her. Uh, but like I said, hopefully they'll get it. Like like, but like you say, she has managed to sort of bounce back from it. Unlike a lot of people, like Baron Corbin, where okay, they got big plans for you. Oh, we sort of changed our mind. Oh, now you look weak. Now you look sad. Now you just look, look like they're forcing you on us. So. She has done a good job of bouncing back from that. So uh, let's move on a little bit. Uh, uh, this is something I was not expecting to uh, end up having to say, but this is some bad news. This is actually wrestling and football related. Uh, Hall of Fame pass rusher Kevin Green passed away at the age of 58. Uh, you might remember her from um, WCW or from yeah. the NFL back like in the 80s and 90s. I did not realize yeah. he was part of the 85 draft. I kind of lost track of what year he came in. But, you know, uh, he was actually a, a very good football player. Sadly, he was not a good wrestler. <laughs> I was like, like, he was a bad wrestler. He was worse than Mongo. Mongo was terrible. <laughs> so, uh, pretty much. Pretty much. I definitely was worse than him, actually. I would say a lot of these guys that they tried to bring in, you know, over the years were like bad wrestlers uh, from other sports. Like I said, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know you you do have some good football players who became good wrestlers, but the guys they just sort of forced in with like limited training just because they were big names that tended to not work. Like Mongo didn't work, Kevin Green didn't work. Uh, like you know, you you did have you know you've had plenty of good football players who ended up becoming big stars in wrestling. Don't get me wrong, like Goldberg, uh, you know, like Big Cat, Dirty Lad, you know, Moose. But the ones who actually became good wrestlers actually spent a significant amount of time training and a lot of time working their way up. Not just, okay, this dude's famous, let's let him have a match. Like Lawrence Taylor, bad. <laughs> oh, bad. God. That's horrible, 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 horrible. He, he, I, 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 I said this, he made Kevin Green look good. Yeah, but like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to just crap on Kevin Green too much. Cause like I said, I did like him as a football player, and like I said, he did pass away. So, and we are sad that he passed away. So I don't want to, you know, give him too much. And like, like I said, as far as I know, he didn't have too much bad personal stuff. Cause like I said, if, if he was a get bad guy as far as his personal life, then I would crap on him in death. Cause I don't give. A, I don't give a crap about that. If you were a shitty person when you're alive, I'm gonna tell people you're a shitty person and shit on you when you die. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. But as far as I know, I haven't. I hadn't seen anybody. I'm not saying that I knew him all that well or knew a lot about him, but I hadn't seen any bad stuff about him, so I'm not going to do that. If it turns out later that that was different, then I'd change my mind. But right now I'm saying rest in peace to him. And, you know, like I said, there's no yeah. cause of death listed, so we don't know what. Uh, I don't know what caused it. So uh, hopefully next week I might be able to provide a little bit of an update on that. But for, for right now I'm saying rest in peace. And usually I only give rest in peace if somebody's, a good person, or at least they seem to have been a good person. You never know what people do in their private lives. Don't get me wrong. So you never know with 100% certainty unless you're with somebody all the time. But uh, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything bad about him. So uh, so I'm I'm, gonna, I'm giving him that. So but anyway, 
I was not expecting to talk about Kevin Green, so I don't have a lot prepared to talk about other than he was with WCW during the time, doing the uh, Monday Night Wars and stuff. So maybe next week I'll spend a little bit more time and offer a little bit more specifics regarding him. But for now, we'll just uh, move on because I did have some other things I wanted to talk about this particular week. I, this week was sort of sort of going to be a little bit of a cleanup show. There's some things that's happened over, over the world of wrestling that I did not get a chance to discuss over the last couple months. They kept getting pushed back, so I want to go ahead and clear the slate on that, uh, as well as talk about a few things that did come up the last uh, week. Uh, are you familiar with Ben Carter? Uh, No. Yeah, he was a independent guy. He did show up on AEW uh, not too long ago. There was a little bit of a bidding war between WWE and between uh, AEW. He did end up, end up officially signing with NXT UK, though, so he is going to WWE. So congratulations to him. I just wanted to announce that. Uh, also, I wanted to, uh, while we while we move down this sort of uh, you know news dump and things I want to talk about. Uh, Naito, who's the current IWGP Heavyweight Champion and in the Intercontinental Champion, uh, he was recently given a very, very prestigious award. He was given the Tokyo Sports MVP Award. Uh, his Wrestle Kingdom 14 bout with Okada was also awarded Tokyo Sports Best Bout of 2020. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, spread a message that he he ended up sharing about that. To be honest, as soon as I did what I did in the Tokyo Dome on January Four, four and five, I had assumed this award was coming. But after the Tokyo Dome, thanks to the pandemic, the match that I wanted with Hiromu Takahashi for a decade did take place. From there, this is a year, from there, this year took a rather different form from what I expected. Then again, things not going exactly going to plan. That's pretty much on brand for Tetsuya Naito. So, uh, overall, like I said, it it's kind of it's kind of great and sad at the same time. He had he got all of these prestigious awards. He's the Intercontinental Champion. He's the uh, IWGP Champion. Uh, he's going to be performing double duty at Wrestle Kingdom 15. And unfortunately, like I said, he didn't get to fully enjoy it the way a lot of people in this position could have because obviously most of the year there haven't been crowds. There hasn't been a lot of shows this year. So uh, he hasn't been able to get – the full enjoyment and get the full pleasure of uh, of what you would expect the man in his position would have been able to get. So, well, um, Naito for for me it's a long time coming. Um, I actually enjoyed um, a few years ago his feuds um, with um, Jericho, and his, his more recent few was um, him against his former. Um, um, Li um, J May um, Evil, and if any of you fans have not seen it, I urge you to um, go and watch that. Um, New, um, NewJapan.com is is one is one of the better matches of the year. Yep, like I said, definitely go check it out. Like I said, I've, I've just started watching New Japan Strong Show. And like I said, like I mentioned last week, it does it does seem to be a little bit American centric, unfortunately, but still, it's still enjoyable. I, I would like to see them just put a little bit more of the Japanese talent on the show as opposed to you know Americans and Canadians. But it's still, it, otherwise, it's still it's still worth watching though. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. Uh. 
moving on, we got uh, Serena Deep. It's still, it, otherwise, it's still, it's still worth watching. Definitely check it out. If you can. Uh, I get confused there for a second. Apparently, I accidentally uh, clicked the link, so I was hearing myself talk, and apparently, we're on a slight delay. So, but anyway, get that taken care of. Uh, moving down the road, we got some other things I want to talk about. So, Serena Deep has announced that NWA will probably be doing some taping soon. They have been airing stuff from their Shockwave series recently over over the last uh, few weeks, where she mentioned that uh, hopefully starting early next uh, next month they will get back to taping again. Uh, they they've also been showing her since she's the NWA Women's Champion. Uh, she teamed up with Big Swole today on Eva Lee Diamante on Wednesday's Dynamite. So uh, that's that's some more good news. NWA was definitely doing some good things before the. Uh, Pandemic sort of shut them down, and unfortunately, they did have the terrible executive that it did some terrible things. So that sort of created problems for them as well. At the same time as this COVID situation, so that created a lot of problems for them. But uh, hopefully, they'll be able to get back on track soon. And uh, looking forward to you know seeing more uh, new content, and hopefully, NWA Power will be back on there too. So. Any thoughts on that? Uh, for me, um, I, um, I, I know I checked out, um, NWA, um, Shockwave for the past three weeks, and, um, I would say they, they put on, um, some, some, um, really, um, solid matches, um, but, but like you said, it, um, MLW and AW is still at the top of the food chain, but, but, um, NWA Shockwave still has a bigger product, and if you want something besides WWE, something besides AEW, um, I, um, I, I would suggest you you should um, watch that. And the best thing about it is it's just an hour show, so you you get in and out, and you would probably feel good by supporting um, NWA Shockwave on um, YouTube. So just it's really um, it's not even an hour most weeks. It's more like 30, I think it's more like 30 to 45 minute range. So you can get in even quicker than that. <laughs> but you, you, you get where I'm going with this. It's not a long show. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, you, you get in even quicker than that. That's that's one advantage to it. Like on one hand, you want more wrestling. On the other hand, you know, if it's like a short program, you can get in and get out much quicker. So. So definitely check it out. Like I said, I have been checking it out. Like I said, it's, it's, it's booked into my schedule. They've been releasing it on, I think, usually Tuesdays, I believe. So I've been checking it yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a little bit of an interesting uh, thing. There's an, Obviously, there's the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, and apparently there's the International Wrestling International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame that's starting up, and they will be inducting their inaugural class. Apparently, these are some of the names. There's a list of 24 names in the inaugural class. So can you guess who's going to be in the inaugural class for the deductions that will take place August 28, 2021 in Albany, New York? Some of the names wow. are pretty obvious. So, I'm, But uh, let's see. Can you guess? Let's see how many you can guess off the top of your head. And again, uh, it's international, so it'll include some people not from America. Uh, I would think uh, one will probably be Giant Baba. Yep. Antonio Anoki. Uh, um, yes, he's definitely I, on the list. 
I would definitely think um, Great Moolah and his um, father, um, the Great Kabuki. Let's see. I don't see Great Muda on the list yet. Uh, I don't see the Great Kabuki on the list either. But like I said, so so far you you've actually had a, a good a good. And like I said, there are some Americans included. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not saying there's no Americans, but I'm saying it's not exclusive to Americans. So uh, who you, who you think will be of the Americans? Who do you think is going to be on it? Uh, I will. Uh, um, my first three would probably be Bruno San Martino. Um, yep. I, w- I, w- I would definitely think Harley Race. Let's see. Ooh, I did not see Harley Race on the list. Let me look real quick. That's an omission. Like I said, he's, he does not appear to be on the list of the inaugural list. Okay. So that, um, that seems, that seems that's not a little bit shocking, but he's not on the list so far. Well, if that's the case, then I know um, Ric Flair has to be on that list. Obviously. <laughs> and there's another big name that you're obviously missing. Probably the biggest name. Especially for people our age. John Cena? No, I, I meant for like, like I meant for people like that start watching us as a kid for us, but obviously John Cena probably will get in eventually. <laughs> but uh I was thinking Hulk Hogan, obviously. Okay. So I'll, obviously, I'm, I'm a, I'll do a quick rundown for the rest of the list real fast. We had uh, we already mentioned Bruno, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Terry Funk. You mentioned Giant Baba already. Ed Stringler Lewis, Mil Mascaris, Luthez, Buddy Rogers, Frank Gotch, Danny Hodge, Greg Gamma, Yusef Ishmael, Paul Pons, Ricky Dozon, uh, Martin Farmer Burns. George Hackenschmidt, Evan Strangler Lewis, William Muldoon, Satoru Samiyama, we mentioned Antonio Iannoki, Stanislaus Zabisco, and Tatsumi Fujinami. So most of the list I know, even like I said, there's a there's a few of the uh few of the talents that I did not know off the top of my head, but I, I obviously I know most of the list because I like I have followed wrestling for years. So even what wrestlers that I didn't quote Follow, I know a little bit of a history like, you know, George Hackensmith and some guys like that. So, congratulations to all the uh, future inductees for this. Uh, I wonder if there'll be anybody else announced. It does say the inaugural class. I'm assuming there's probably not going to be anybody else, but it does seem like like Harley Race not being in the inaugural class is a little bit of a snub, just a little. I'm I'm guessing if he's not in the initial class, he'll probably be in the second one, so. Uh, oh, okay. Well, um, we can move forward though. I, I, I say that one for later. Oh, okay. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to a couple before we get out of, we got a couple stories that I've sort of been holding on for a couple months though. I, I wanted to get to them a little bit earlier, but just never got the chance. Uh, we got a couple stories about the young bucks. This is all pretty much all AEW content stuff that I didn't get to yet. But first, we'll go with uh, Nyla Rose, the Shida, Scorpio Sky, and more talked about diversity in the AEW. So I just want to uh, share some thoughts that they they listed um, on this article. Uh, it was actually an article for the magazine called Complex. It was posted on scoops.com regarding it, though. Scorpio Scott talks about the important representation in wrestling during an interview. If you look at pro wrestling now, there are a lot more people of color, 
color being heavily profiled, which is a great thing. I think kids of color can look up and say, okay, I see people on television. I see people in wrestling that look like me, so maybe I can do it too. I think that's going to do a lot for their confidence. Uh, as well as Kiru Shida was also interviewed about it. Uh, she spoke about introducing Joshi Puro Risu to American audience. Joshi style wrestling with Japanese wrestling is very unique and original. So I believe that Joshi style wrestling can be as good as women's wrestling in other parts of the world. In Japan, our population, which compared to the U.S., is very few. But now representing Japanese Joshi wrestlers, I can show myself in front of American fans. So those were her thoughts. And, of course, Nyla Rose commented, was also interviewed. She was interviewed for the piece. She noticed she's the first black champion in the promotion. I like to present the fact that I'm Native American because I feel that gets overshadowed a lot, but I'm very much a proud black woman as well. And I will shout that from the mountaintop every week. To have achieved that goal in February is nothing short of monumental. She also continued to talk about diversity in the women's, women's roster. Every woman so far has been a person. Every woman so far has been a person of color. I guess she's, uh, she didn't mention this, but I think she's saying every woman champion so far. Uh, and I think a large part of the public, they have blinders on to that simply because Riho and Hikuru are fair-skinned. They kind of look that. But at the end of the day, they're a woman of color. They represent a minority as well. So uh, you can definitely go to the uh, complex.com if you want to see the rest of the article. This is just a few snippets that was posted on SC Scoop site. So uh got any thoughts on diversity in wrestling or uh, what AEW is doing or anything related to that? Well, um, I, um, I I have no problem with uh, diversity in um, wrestling. I um, I, I believe is um, much needed, but um, in, in having um, d- diversity, you gotta build them up right. And um, the only time WWE has really did it um, properly was um, with with um, the, the new day and I gotta say usually when it happens in the WWE it got nothing to do with Vince. It's just he decided like, hey, I'm gonna let this good thing make me money and usually when he pretty much have hands off, it usually does pretty good with the rock, with um Booker T, with um the New Day and even more recently I will have to um, go with um, um, even Kofi Kingston's run as champion, or you can go with um, the Hurt Business. I was going to say, don't forget the Hurt Business, because, by the way, I I, I was trying to remember, has WWE ever had a a world tag team title match with two black teams of prominence? I'm not talking about, like, you know, you put some jobber with some guy and then, Maybe champion. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I haven't done the research, so don't quote me on that. But it feels like that might have been the first time you had two black teams compete uh, for the world title, world tag team title. So don't quote me on that, anybody. You know, don't send hate tweets saying it happened back in this year, back when this earlier time, blah blah blah. But I'm feeling like that's the thing. So I will try to find out for sure and actually discuss it again next week. But that's just something I happened to notice as I was watching. I was like, man. I wonder if this is the first time that's happened. And the fact that they did make, you know, quote, a big deal of it actually is kind of better than the fact that they had said, oh, look at this historical thing we're doing. It's wonderful. It's kind of better that if it was history and you didn't, quote, get it announced as history, they actually might kind of make it better in a way. But anyway, we're down to our last three things before we get out of here. Uh, 
The Young Bucks were uh, actually on uh, Busted Open Radio back in November, and they discussed, you know, breaking the unwritten rules of wrestling. Uh, one of the things that they did, uh, here's a quote, we broke the unwritten rules of wrestling, uh, Matt Jackson said. Like, you're only supposed to do a couple high spots in a match. Well, what do we do? We start off with 20 high spots. And, hey, the super kick is a finisher. Not for us. For us, it's just a fun move. We do 12 times a match. These are the rules of wrestling that the unspoken rules you do not break. So when you do these things, people say you're going to kill the business. And, of course, that led to the title for their uh, their uh, autobiography, Young Bucks Killing the Business from Backyards to the Big Leagues. Uh, what are your thoughts on, quote, are they killing the business, or do you like the fact that they do what they do? Um, I actually like that they do what they do because um, it, um okay myself I um I always pride myself on um be, being able to pick um good tag team wrestlers over the years and there are not too many um good tag teams that are enjoyable to watch like the Young Bucks has been out. Because I could um, recall them as Generation Me and um, Impact, when Impact really didn't know what to do with them, and, and yet Impact was good enough um, for wrestlers that size to um, to actually be pretty good at. Because well, you had um, the most city machine guns that was. Dramatically, um, I, I, I guess we both agree that they was dramatically small wrestlers. Yes. Okay. Now, for them to actually be um, the, the the team known as the Dudley Boys, which by most people's standards are good heavyweight wrestlers, and it not look like some some BS. You no, know I mean they was able to sell a good match. I I was kind of surprised that um, the Young Bucks had evolved to great tag team uh, wrestlers, but it seemed like not all, but for some of them, they need to go away for a little bit, refine their skills in Japan so they could um, come back and and be that damn good. And I know just as well as you do how when they was in um, Japan and this part of the Bullet Club, is it fair to say that um, they had some great tag team matches over there? Obviously, yes, they did. Well, I, um, I, I'm not going to get um, too much more with that, though, but I, um, I believe um, they they worked um, for uh, what they do. Unfortunately, it's not um, the norm, and not every tag team could pull that off. Like, um, FTR. They're one of the better tag teams I've seen this year. They're one of the better tag teams I've seen in the last five years. Now, I'm not going to say the best, but I, I will put them in the top ten of tag teams. So so where will you put them at, though? FTR? Want to put them in the tag teams? Yeah. Currently. Def- definitely the top five. Like I say, uh, uh, I would probably put Young Bucks number one. FDR could probably let me see. FDR, we got some New Day. We got uh, the Usos. Although the Usos aren't really currently wrestling. 
I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave out most of the Japanese teams because I haven't seen enough New Japan wrestling recently to have my memory refreshed. So I'm gonna leave those okay. teams out for now. Uh, but yeah, like I said, F- like I said, definitely of of the last couple of years, FTR is definitely near the top of the list. Like I said, the only team that I would de- definitively put ahead of them would be the the Young Bucks at the moment. Me, um, I will probably still have to put um, the New Day in, and um, su- surprisingly enough, um, a, a team that um, I actually think don't get enough um, credit actually would um, okay would actually have to um, be um, and 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 I and I and I really don't want to say it, but I. I actually, I actually have to say that um, the street profits. Um, I, I will actually have to put them in at number ten, though, because they 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 they've been really really solid and they've been really putting on good matches. No, they're they're definitely a talented team. I don't know where I could put them in the top ten. I, I literally would have to pick out all the tag teams and sort of legitimately make a list. I don't. That's not something I'd want to do. Off the top of my head, but I feel like if I, if I tried to come up with ten teams, I definitely would leave some people off. So that might actually be something. That might actually be something to do for a future show. We'll, we'll get together and discuss what week we want to do that. Where we actually discuss the top tag teams, where we could, where we literally could have it written down and prepared and be fully able to discuss it. So I'm gonna actually go. I'm actually gonna write that down, so, and we'll come back to this some, at some point in the future. Okay, definitely, definitely. So, is there anything else um, you you need to bring up before we close the show out, King? Uh, yes, I got two more things I want to hit. Uh, the Young Bucks say Impact tarnished their brand during their run. So they were on when they were on Busted Open back in November. Uh, they also discussed some other things in, in addition to their biography and you know, sort of whole killing the thing. Tommy Dream is actually a cause this particular week. Uh, Tommy Dreamer asked why they decided to adopt a more unapologetic in-ring and promo style. He said, at first we weren't that way. At first we were just like everybody else. We were the young guys. We're going to do whatever you tell us to do. It didn't seem to work for us. Like, yeah, sure, we had good matches, but they were only taking us so far. And I think they got to the point where people were kind of walking over us a little bit. Later he said, when they joined Impact, which was then TNA, as Generation Me, we went to Impact Wrestling and sort of failed there. Because we were too afraid to address issues we might have seen. They and he's, when they say they talk about management, wanted us to turn on each other and wrestle each other. We thought that was a terrible idea. But you know what? We were nice guys, so we went and did it. They started kind of tarnishing our brand a little bit. You get to the point where Nick and I were just like, listen, we have to make a change here because we see what route this is going. We see what route our career is headed. We made the decision, we're going to go, if we're going to do this, let's go do it like we did in the backyard. Let's go have fun. Let's wrestle with our hair down. Let's act like there are no rules, and let's be balanced out there. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that they did the right thing by sort of breaking away from that, or should they just have gone with what the company wanted them to do? Well, I guess the better question is um, this. Okay. How did the fans respond to them um, doing what they say they did and why they did it? Now, are they so okay? Are they um, happy and are they at least in the conversation with, with being um, an elite tag team right now? 
If the answer is um, if they are, you got your answer. If they're not, well, you got your answer still. I was gonna say, even though I asked the question, I already knew the answer because it would it would be ridiculous to for anybody to assume no, they should have just did whatever the management said because if you look at their career now, <laughs> they are much bigger as a team than TNA is, is a, slash Impact is as a company right now. Now, granted, Impact is you know, has had some um, good publicity and, you know, so they got a little bit of a boost with Kitty Omega coming in and whatnot. <laughs> but literally, if you think about it, since they helped build uh, AEW into what it is being, you know, one of the bosses of the company, <laughs> basically by them not doing what TNA said and sort of deciding we, we need to manage our own career and take it our own direction, they're helping TNA out slash Impact Wrestling down the road, years down the road. So if you think about it, not only did doing what they do help their career, is now helping Impact Wrestling slash TNA. <laughs> so obviously they obviously did the right thing. Absolutely. So, sometimes you have to um, take the bull by the horns. Yep. You speak of take the bull by the horns, since we're since we're making random Southern cowboy references, Jr. Uh, stated that you know he's been in wrestling for more than four decades. He felt like AEW rolled up in a new purpose in life, and this will be his quote last gig in pro wrestling. So, uh, what are you what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this will be his indeed be his last gig in the world of wrestling, or do you think? Do you think there'll be a way to change his mind if something else comes down the road or something? With Jr., I, I actually do believe that that this will probably be his, his um, last gig because let, let's face it, he's close to um, Vince McMahon's age, and I'm not too sure how great his health is. And usually, um, when when you um, up there in age, your your health um, don't don't always get. Um, to his peak, it usually kind of plateaus a bit, and then it like gets down. Hopefully, you usually get get better from um, different ailments, different health issues. But at, um, as we all know, as you get older, it's harder to come back from certain things. So I believe this probably would be it, and he'll just ride off in, into the sunset. Yeah, he's sixty-eight, but considering some of the health issues he's already had. It kind of feels like he's really a little bit older than that. Probably physically, he probably is. So this this probably will be his sort of like maybe not necessarily be doing the play by play or whatnot, but you know some kind of role with AEW will probably be the last sort of company role he has. It'll probably be some he might have some sort of emeritus role with the company. Might continue to be some sort of senior advisor to them or something like that. But I, I think this will be his last. Uh, gig in wrestling because I doubt I doubt if he'll go back to uh, WWF. Odds are, you know, uh, usually WWF does not hire people over the age of seventy, and so by the time I think his contract will be up, it'll probably be done. So this will probably be his sort of his sort of last gig. There's definitely a good chance this will be his last time he'll be doing commentary and whatnot. So, and it's actually worked out pretty well. I've seen him do stuff with like New Japan and you know some of the other stuff that he did for a while. It's he's not as quote as good as he used to be, 
But I think he works well in a three-man booth as opposed to a two-man booth like they tried to do with him not too long ago. Because there, there are moments when you hear the sort of classic old JR, but there's other moments you're like, when it's just a two-man booth where you're like, he's kind of lost his stuff. So I think the three-man booth with AEW is perfect for him. Uh, he's he's in a good situation. The, the rest of the, the team sort of picks up the slack when they need to, and they let him do his thing when he needs to do it. So I think it's a sort of a perfect position for him. Well, well um, I, I just got one last thing on color commentary. Um, and I would switch to uh, Raw Ashley, who actually been doing great, is Samoa Joe. And yeah, and that, that's weird because he was never a guy that you thought was great on the mic. Right. But it's, it's just like if you told me who's going to be good on the, who's going to be doing good doing color commentary, I wouldn't have thought because Samoa Joe really didn't do crap on the mic until he got to WWE. He never did anything that I particularly wanted to see. All that much. He had he had a few things, I guess, in TNA that was sort of solid. But as a general rule, I wanted to see him wrestle as opposed to see him talk. <laughs> so now, yeah. behind the, the the commentary desk, he's actually done a good job. So it's kind of surprising. It's kind of weird. It's like it's like uh when Taz when Taz first started talking in ECW, he didn't want to do it. And then he, it's like Heyman sort of forced him into the role. And then next thing you know, now he's pretty much making his limit talking. Obviously, you know, he ended up, he retired at a relatively young age for a wrestler and hasn't really going back. But he's like done a commentator. He's been a manager. So, you know, every now and again, sometimes people surprise you as far as, you know, how well they'll take to the mic and to the commentary board. There's been other people that sort of did it the other way. I always thought Mick Foley would be great on color commentary, but when they put him on, when he started doing it on Raw, it was highly disappointing. So you never know who's going to sort of be great at it, and you never know who's going to kind of disappoint you. Because Mick Foley was always great on the mic, but as far as color commentary, not so much. Right. Um, I, um, and, and, and for my last two, I will actually have to say Beth Phoenix been been really solid. Um, not, nothing great, but um, I'm not going to lie. I I would not have thought Beth Phoenix would have been um, like, okay, you know what? She, 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 she would be good to be color commentary. I, I wouldn't have never figured that. I would not have figured Wade Barrett. Actually, um, Wade Barrett is a guy that I would I would agree. I would agree with prior to Bad News Barrett. When, before he became Bad News Barrett, I wouldn't have thought it. But Bad News Barrett was actually, was actually good on the mic. So if you if you compare Bad News Barrett on, then it's not that surprising. If you compare him before Bad News Barrett, though, then I would say yes. But before, but, but since you did bring up Breathless, I got to talk about her, too. I do not like her as color commentary. She's not terrible. She's just bland. She she only does one thing well in my book as far as on the mic as far as being good at she she provides enthusiasm and makes it feel like you know some moments make feel big like you know something happening but as far as being entertaining and sort of putting over the story as far as you know saying something interesting it doesn't feel like she does that to me ever (laughs) like she does does have she she does a good job with the enthusiasm of the moment. 
Like, she's always, her voice goes up, and you're like, when something big is about to happen, you're like that. But she's just uh, overall, that, if I could, I would, I would, honestly, if I could, I would replace her. <laughs> okay, so, okay, let, let's play that game. Who? Like, literally, I could just, like I said, like, anybody that we've mentioned so far, you could replace it with Wade Barrett. We could replace her with, uh, we could replace her with, Samoa Joe, we can replace her with Corey Graves, we can replace her with Taz. Obviously he'd have to change companies, but uh Wow. I, I got I got someone that you probably forgotten about and and I think he's um pretty good though. Who's that? Not great, but I think he he's better than Beth Phoenix. Um actually I would go with Nigel McGinnis though. Yes, him too. Like literally almost I would. I would also tell you who I wouldn't want to replace it with. That that dude, Dio Madden. <laughs> like literally, he was on. He was on commentary for weeks. I don't remember a single thing he said. <laughs> so if you're talking about people worse than her, and he was, he wasn't actively bad. He was just very forgettable. Like literally, how can you be do commentary for months and then when you leave the booth, I literally forgot you were there. I can't remember a thing you said. So at least I did have one compliment for her. She, like I said, she does do a good job as far as raising her voice and making making you seem like some certain moments are important. But she's just never said anything interesting as, as far as my book goes. But Dio Madden literally said never said anything I could remember. I couldn't remember anything about him. Yeah. That that's that's actually funny. I, that that's actually funny. Um, I, um, actually, uh. Um, I, I, um, I would, I would love to see, um, Pete Dunn do color commentary though. That, that would definitely be interesting. I would like, I would be interested in seeing that too. I, I would love to see Pete Dunn, um, do, do that because I, I so, I, I so think that this man and me and you brought this up before, he's one of the best talents that that company has. And I don't believe they're going to be that stupid and let that man walk. No, like I said, are you are you breaking some news that I'm not familiar with? Is he supposed to be leaving? <laughs> to my knowledge, no. But no. Um, um, as as we all know and everything, okay, um, the man's young. He um, okay. He brings a lot of value to the company, and once he becomes a free agent. Don't think that he won't be the um, biggest free agent out there because, um, as, as me and you both know, he brings a lot to the table just just more than wrestling. If you just want to say, hey, you want um, a good wrestler, okay, you could pick a few. Now, everything else Pete Dunn brings to the table behind the scenes, okay, that kind of ups his value. And I, um, I think you made mention of that on um, previous shows. So I believe P. Dunn could probably um, finesse um, a better deal with more uh, with um, more of your North American companies. So yeah, I would say I would say that's true. Like I said, imagine if he made a debut on AEW. That would be a big that would be a big get for them. So I would have to agree with that. Oh yeah, and by the way, like since we're talking about Pete Dunn. I want to flash back to when he sort of when he first sort of came on the scene when they had the. Uh, the WWE UK you know, tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, he was like, you know, none of those guys were 
quite standing out yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were some talented guys there, but nobody really sort of stood out as the guy until, you know, when they had the little press conference thing that was like after, after at the end of the show, and he just hauled off and smacked the hell out of somebody. <laughs> And William Regal got so pissed at him. I was like, see, that's how you get somebody over. (laughs) I was like, it just sort of felt like it sort of came out of nowhere. He's just kicking some guy's ass. And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, yeah. That's what I like to do. I'm like, I like this dude. I was like, I really like this dude. The dude had. The dude had me cracking the the hell up, man. I'm like, oh yes, I'm gonna like this dude. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what his future gonna be, but I hope they keep this dude around because that was that that was one of those memorable moments. The only thing he didn't have was the baby powder. <laughs> oh yeah, there was. Why every time New Jack hits somebody with a guitar filled with baby powder? That don't make sense. <laughs> but that's like. There ain't no one to that. <laughs> but anyway, we're actually. To the end of the show now. So, uh, get any final thoughts in the last few seconds? Uh, certainly. Um, at, um, as I always say, um, um, with um, every show, um, because we are loyal wrestling fans, and sometimes it's to a fault of um, of, um, of us and everything. We don't always get to watch all the wrestling we want to watch, but um. I urge you, and I know I can speak as well for the King as well. Um, there's more than just your uh, major wrestling that's um, on um, on national television. Also, let's try and support the indie uh, wrestling organizations. It's many, many um, out there. If you not into the mainstream, you have many more that that's out there. You you have some in Japan. You have enough in England. You have enough. Sorry to cut you off, but like I said, we're ending the show now, so we have the last couple seconds. So, yes, definitely watch some international wrestling, watch some indies, and thanks for listening, everybody. I came looking for booty. I like you, and I want you. Now, we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.